I asked our guest Derek Klassen to pound the table for someone post-draft. Derek, who are you pounded the table for? Devin A. Chain, uh, drafted ah. by the Miami Dolphins. I, I actually, I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but somebody had actually asked me like a month before the draft, like, hey, what if Devin A. Chain got into Miami? Wouldn't that be sick? I'd be like, they kind of already have enough fast guys, but that is about as perfect a fit as it was going to get for him in that like outside zone scheme that they do. They do such a good job of stretching the field, uh, giving a guy like him space. You add just on top of like his world-class sprinter stuff, his vision is unbelievable. So I feel like he's a guy who's going to squeeze out so much in that system. So I'm very, he went a little bit later than I was hoping, but I'm very, very excited for him in that offense. Awesome, awesome. Listeners, you heard it here first. Go get you some Devon chain. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me is my excellent co-host, as always, Jen Akins. Uh, Jen, how's it going, buddy? It's going. We uh, we have moved past the draft. Very exciting. Uh, May is here. Spring's in the air. I really can't complain. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, I got a new hat my wife gave me, so I'm excited. Nice. I'm excited for Mariners season. Baseball season is is underway, which is good. Uh, it's I, I I associate baseball with fantasy drafts, so it's all good things, good weather and everything. Uh, so I'm doing good. And this week I'm especially doing well because uh, we're going to be joined by Derek Klassen. Uh, you can find Derek's stuff at New York Times Sports and Bleacher Report. Definitely follow Derek on Twitter at QB Class. That's class with a K. One of my favorite Twitter follows. Derek, thank you so much for joining us. It was really nice to see you again. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, it feels good to finally have the draft actually behind us and do more of these like cool down shows and kind of ease our ease our way into the off season. Uh, feels good. Excellent, excellent. And I got to ask you a K-pop question because uh, I, you're one of the few people that I interact with who likes K-pop. Uh, I got to, I got to admit, outside of a quick listen to Nmix's extended play Expergo, I haven't really listened to anything new. Um, any favorites to share before we dig in? Well, that is a good one. I actually like that album a lot. It's been one of my favorites this year. I would say um, a group called I've uh, just dropped like a full length album, which is actually pretty rare for K-pop. But it's I don't want to oversell it, but it's probably my favorite K-pop album in since like 2019. Like it's I every single track is an absolute turbo banger. And I, I just am in love with it. So I would say that. And then there's a group called Billy with three L's. Uh, they I've also heard of released Billy. A, yeah, they also released a really, really good uh, EP. So I excellent, Ivan Billy. Thank you so much. I, it'll go in my rotation because I just keep spinning Blackpink over and over again from last year. That so also that's works. Excellent. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are like Charlie Brown teachering right now. I have no, <laughs> like nothing. This is fun stuff. So before we get into it, I want to introduce our listeners to 444's YouTube membership plan. Uh, become a member of our YouTube channel. Get access to perks such as live stream loyalty badges, exclusive emojis, priority reply to video comments. That means we will answer your questions first. Merchandise promo codes. You get all these perks for less than $2 a month. Join our membership program today at youtube.com slash at 444 slash join. Uh, veteran corner before we talk rookies I want to talk uh, DeAndre Swift a little bit Jen let's start with you uh, your boy DeAndre Swift uh, Bulldog was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles tell me a little bit about how you're approaching Swift in that Philly backfield <sighs> I you know I'm excited for him that he did get out of the situation with the Lions after they drafted Jamar Gibbs I was like that can't be ugly but or can't be good but at the same time Philly I mean <sighs> Better offense in general, right? I mean, but it's still it's pretty cloudy. I mean, it's not great. You know, Mark. you've got Penny who 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 does get hurt, but you know, you've got Gainwell, you have Boston Scott. Um, 
I don't know. You know, I feel like I don't know if it I mean, I guess technically it does improve his his fantasy draft stock going to the Eagles over the Lions. But at the same time, I mean, you know, fantasy RB2. I mean, I don't know if it if it really moves the needle that much. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's tough to know where to go in that backfield. We saw in the playoffs, Derek, we saw Kenneth Gainwell really become a big part of that offense. Um, do you think that DeAndre Swift arriving means Kenneth Gainwell takes a major backseat in that offense? Or do you think we see more of a three-headed monster? I would think that he probably takes a backseat because I think generally all the things that Gainwell is good at, Swift, like they, they brought in a similar player who is just bigger and, and better in a lot of ways. Like he's going to give you receiving value, a home run hitter who is kind of blind in between the tackles sometimes. Like I think they're kind of similar players in that sense. So I assume what they want to do for as long as Penny is healthy is make Penny the starting running back. Um, he's going to be kind of like the, the bell cow almost, you know, kind of be the leader in that sense. And then just have Swift as like the change of pace, home run hitter, try to run some outside runs, use him as a third down back and all that sort of stuff. So that's what I'm assuming is the plan for as long as everyone is healthy. But I think we know with all these players in the Eagles backfield now, they're not going to be healthy for for that long. So if Penny goes down or something like Swift could absolutely just be a full time back. I, I wouldn't be that surprised. I'm sure hoping Penny could stay healthy. That poor kid, he's yes. so good. He just can't stay on the field. Uh, let's talk about why Swift was traded. Jameer Swift Gibbs. is kind of in the same boat, though. He, is. he yeah, can't stay true. healthy either. So and maybe Kenneth Gainwell is my late best ball pick. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad plan. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Jameer Gibbs, the uh, talented, multifaceted back out of Alabama, was drafted 12th overall to the Detroit Lions. That's what brought on the trade of DeAndre Swift to Philadelphia. Uh, Derek, let's talk about Jameer Gibbs and the Detroit backfield. They brought in David Montgomery. What do you think Gibbs's role is going to be there in Detroit, especially in year one? I think what's funny is I, I kind of tweeted something like this. By drafting Gibbs, they basically just doubled down on the idea of DeAndre Swift, but we're done with like the original DeAndre Swift. Because I think they're very, very similar players. We're like Gibbs, um, unbelievable receiver. That's obviously Swift. was. That's why they drafted him when they did uh home run speed like he's probably going to come into the league and be one of the biggest explosive guys uh in the league pretty immediately um really quick really fast all that stuff but kind of like swift i'm not all that sure about what he gives you between the tackles i think sometimes his vision can be a little just very inconsistent swift is more inconsistent and kind of just runs himself into trouble whereas gibbs is more he stops his feet a lot and doesn't really plow through the line the way that he should so they're different in that sense but generally they struggle a little bit between the tackles but that's why I think signing David Montgomery was incredible because that's what he's good at and I think in a lot of ways he's going to play that Jamal Williams role but he's a little bit more complete he's a little bit more explosive himself uh he's a little bit more efficient all that stuff so I think really they just got a better version of what their backfield was last year like they went for very similar one-two punch they just got straight up upgrades I would say Production-wise, you know, Gibbs gets an Alvin Kamara uh, comparison a lot. That's what he got going into the draft. Are there any truth to that? You think we could see that kind of production? Maybe. Uh, maybe in the passing game. I would say in the running game, no, for two reasons. One, uh, Kamara's vision, I think, is a little bit better. I don't think he's, like, peaked Le'Veon Bell or anything, but I think his vision was a little bit more consistent. And then the thing to me that separated Kamara from uh, Gibbs is – Gibbs's balance is fine. Like, it's not going to be a problem. He's not going to get hit every time and go down immediately. But Kamara's balance for someone that size is unbelievable. Like, the way that he just – he plays with such a wide stance and does an unbelievable job of knocking bodies off. And I just don't think Gibbs quite has that, which I think is why he's a little bit worse between the tackles. So, as a runner, I don't know if I see that kind of production, but as a receiver, absolutely. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much. Zachary Murdoch. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. Uh, I don't think Rashad Penny gets cut. It was a pretty low cost contract. So at worst, he's depth for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think we're going to see, uh, like Derek said, I think we're going to see a lot of Penny on early downs. And I think we're going to see a lot of DeAndre Swift in the passing game. I don't think he gets cut. Thank you very much for the question. Uh, we're going to play a little Who'd You Rather because that's one of my favorite games to play on a podcast. So uh, do a few rookies here. We're going to talk. Uh, start with the quarterbacks. It's the easiest one, the number one pick versus the number two pick. Uh, Derek, I'm going to ask you from a football perspective. And then, Jen, I'm going to ask you from a fantasy perspective after Derek's response. So, uh, Derek, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, number one or number two? Who do you like better as the quarterback? I like CJ Stroud. Um, it's kind of weird because I kind of have to couch it with the idea of like, I think Bryce Young could actually be very, very good on like a rookie contract. I'm just the, I, I'm one of those people that really had problems with his size. And I think, especially in terms of longevity, I think it's going to be a big problem for him. So that is why I kind of would lean the other way. Um, but I also just love Stroud anyway. Like he was my quarterback one. I think one of the reasons I loved him is he clearly got better in college, like from going back all the way to his first start against like Minnesota or something in 2021, and then all the way to that game against Georgia, it it doesn't even look like the same player, which is incredible. Like he just got so much better at managing the pocket, playing outside the pocket, creating a little bit. The fact that he could show that growth at such a young age, I thought was incredible. And then you add that on top of the fact that he's one of the most accurate college quarterbacks I think I've ever seen. Um, and it's not even just like he has the arm talent to do it. It's he understands like how to throw against certain leverages, like where defenders are coming, um, where windows are closing. Like, oh, if a safety's driving down on a route, okay, I got to throw it low so my guy can go scoop it. Like, just that sort of stuff. He just has like a very mature understanding of accuracy, and I think that that kind of stuff is going to translate pretty well. Both are sure fun to watch. I uh, I loved watching C.J. Stroud in the college playoffs there, and Bryce Young just uh you know magic every time he has the ball. Uh, Jen Young ends up with Carolina Panthers, which are going to have an entirely new offense this year, and Stroud ends up with the Houston Texans, who are the Houston Texans. So, uh, what do we think from a fantasy perspective uh, this year and moving forward? You know, the answer to the would you rather is really neither in redraft. Um, they're both, yeah. I mean, you're not drafting either of them to be your main quarterback in your fantasy league this year. Uh, you know, they're both, I would put them in, you know, quarterback two categories for fantasy. So if you're looking at it from a best ball perspective, I mean, I guess I kind of prefer Young just based on, you know, weaponry. I think Caroline has a little bit more talent than Houston, and they're not, like you said, Houston. Um, but I think both of them, I don't know that one is really, like, heads and tails above the other from a fantasy perspective. I think they're pretty similar in that QB2 category. Sure, that makes sense to me. Uh, Emiliano asked about Kendra Miller, or uh, has Kendra Miller, and wants to know if they should move off Alvin Kamara for a future second, third, and fourth. I'm probably the most dynasty person on this podcast right now, so I would say uh, Kamara depends on the status of your team. If you're a win-now team, I would hold on to Kamara. I think that that trade is going to be there uh, week six during the season if you, you're – if your season starts to go belly up, I think you'll still be able to get that kind of uh, return for Kamara. If your team is starting over second, third, and fourth, probably isn't a bad return for Kamara right now. Although I'd try to get something for 2024, which looks like a little bit stronger of a draft. So uh, let's go on to the next position. Derek, I've got a couple of tight ends. Uh, Michael Mayer or Sam Laporta, they went uh, back to back. Mayer went to the Raiders. Laporta went to D Detroit uh, pick earlier. Uh, which tight end do you like better? Because I think that was a surprise on draft day. Yeah, so I, I like Sam Laporta a lot. Um, I think he's like fairly athletic. His run after catch stuff is good. He's tough. 
Um, he's a fairly good blocker, even though I think he's not as big as people think that he is because he's an Iowa tight end. I think they assume he's a little bit bigger and he's really not. Um, but he's a good blocker for his size. However, I thought Michael Mayer was the best offensive player in the class, not named B. John Robinson. So, oh, wow. I, I, yeah, I, Mayer was just – I know he didn't test like an elite – athlete and i know everyone is like really big on like if you're going to take a tight end they have to be an elite athlete all that stuff but he was still an above average athlete and when you watch him play it's just like it's almost like stroud in the sense where just everything he does feels so mature like the, the way that he's running routes the way that he's snapping people off the way that he's using his arms to create like little bits of separation at the end uh the way that he boxes people out at the catch point and like in the red zone he's just to me it feels like he's so ready made to go be an 800 yard tight end like out of the gate I'm very, very excited about him. You know, Jason Witten was the comp. I mean, he had a pretty good yeah. <laughs> career there. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame player there. Uh, Jen, uh, fantasy wise, like Laporta is kind of more the receiving back, but Mayer looks like the the all you know the all around player. Both teams have a need at the position. Who are you targeting? I kind of like Laporta um, just based on opportunity. I mean, he's sliding right in. You know, as the tight end one for the Lions. I mean, they're they're you know they they had a ragtag what like. James Mitchell, and I can't even remember the other two guys that they had last year. Once Hawkinson left, obviously. Uh, you know, the Lions are – there really isn't you – know, you've got – I don't know. I, I just feel like – I feel like there's more opportunity there. Now, with Mayer, you you know, you, Austin Hooper is there. We can't forget about him. He's at least, you know, somebody. And I feel like he maybe ah, is a little ah. – well, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I just feel like he maybe is like more, Hooper, so. more as a blocker, you know, with Hooper. I just feel like production-wise – and targets wise, I feel like uh, Laporte is the better fantasy bet this year. But you know, there's a big but there, as we all know. Historically, rookie tight ends are not great for fantasy, so I wouldn't consider Laporta like I wouldn't draft him early. He's not a tight end one by any stretch. But in best ball, he's draftable, and he, he's probably going to end up in the streaming conversation. I would think by week three or four, depending, you know. He's makes, my guy there. Makes sense to me. And Brock Wright is the name you were looking for Thank you. Uh, for Detroit. And, and, and Shane Zilstra or whatever, right? It just Shane Zilstra me. was around. I don't know if he's still on that roster, but yeah, Brock Wright's still still, uh, <laughs> still running around there <laughs> doing something, doing Brock yeah. Wright things. Uh, Derek, let's go to the wide receiver position. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wanted to do who'd you rather players that I just don't know anything about. And Jonathan Mingo for the Panthers and Jaden Reed for the Packers, two second rounders. I really don't know anything about these two players. So who'd you rather and – Tell me, inform me, inform me, help me know some stuff. <laughs> I like them both. Um, I had pretty close rates on both of them. Uh, I'll I'll start with Reed because I am going to go Mingo. Uh, Reed is, I was actually surprised the Packers took him because I think he was like 187 and they don't take guys who are under 200 unless it's like an exception. Um, and they don't make very many of those. So I was surprised they did it, but he's a really clean route runner. I think he's like a good, not great athlete. You know, he's, I think he's a good and consistent separator. He's not going to be, you know, AJ Brown or Stephon Diggs or anything like that, but I think he can be like a good number two in terms of separation. And then he's a really good ball winner for a guy who's like 5'10, 187. He just has a very good understanding of how to get up there, how to keep the defender out of his body, all that sort of stuff. So I don't know immediately if he's going to be the Packers number two, but I think uh, in a couple of years, that could absolutely be the case with him and, and Christian Watson being like a really nice duo. Um, Mingo is the one. I really love him. He he's just the type of receiver I love. He's like 6'3, 220, and just runs like the wind. Like I mean, those guys, I will take those every time. It's very, it's an easy comp to make because they went to the same school, but it's very DK Metcalf calf-ish. Uh, Mingo, Mingo is a little bit more of like the the bigger power slot than the true X that like uh Metcalf is. So they play a little bit different position, but 
I, I just think Mingo, like at his size to run the way that he does um, and actually have like a decent understanding of how to run his routes and like how to sink and, and get out of stuff. I just think he's going to be a ball player. Like guys that size that run like that don't fail very often, especially when teams go up and draft them um, as high as, as high as he got drafted. I think it was like a round pick 50 or something. So like um, all of that combined with, I love Frank Reich. And I think they kind of have, that team has a little bit of a hole at the exact role that he needs, which is like that power slot run over the middle, down the field, all that sort of stuff. So I love the player and the fit there. I'm a big fan of Mingo. Is this the end of Terrace Marshall for any of us who were holding off, holding out hope? <laughs> I, I would, I would say so. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. No, I, I like you've sold me. I'm all in on Jonathan Mingo as a part-time Panthers fan and, uh, and suddenly a big Bryce Young fan, but Jen, uh, Mingo, Jaden Reed, uh, based off what Derek has said and the, the landing spots there, the roles that we're seeing, who are you looking at, uh, between the two of them? Well, for argument's sake, I'm going to go read. And that's only, I mean, that's once again, just based on opportunity. There's not a lot after Christian uh, Watson. You know, you got Romeo Dobbs, who's very inconsistent last season. They lost, I mean, you know, they got a new tight end, which I, th I think we'll talk about him in a little bit. But I feel like just opportunity-wise, he has a way to come in and be, you know, wide receiver too. Now, we also don't know really what Jordan Love has. So that's a little bit sketch there. But then again, we got our rookie quarterback in Carolina too. So I'm going to read just for argument's sake. I like it. Two new tight ends in Green Bay. We had a second rounder and a third rounder, which we're going to get to. Uh, but Jen, let's uh, let's talk receivers for a little while. Oh, okay. Let's. Um, <laughs> all right. So we got four wide receivers that went back to back to back to back in the first round. You got, got Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Johnston, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. So, Derek, how do you feel about those four? Rank them and their impact. What do you think? As prospects, I had it Johnston, uh, Smith and Jigba, Addison, and then Flowers, I believe. Uh, but I really like them both. And I actually think, in particular, uh, Flowers, I think, is, is in a great spot to actually produce. Um, oh. Because I think, even though the room is a little bit more crowded than we're used to in, in Baltimore um, because Bateman is obviously coming back. They signed Odell Beckham. The thing is those two just don't stay healthy. We're not going to get 17 games out of both of those guys. So I think there's going to be games where flowers has to step up and be a really big target. Um, but I also think flowers skill set really fits both Lamar Jackson and Todd Monken, their new offensive coordinator uh, coordinator. He's a very vertical, wants to get the ball down the field, wants to do everything he can to create shot plays Zay Flowers ran very, very fast <laughs> at the NFL Combine. Um, and so I think he's a very good fit for, for all the stuff that they want to do. Um, I would say after that, in terms of fit, probably Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like Seattle really, really needed a slot receiver. Um, in terms of real football stuff, I wish he was a little bit better blocker. And maybe he can be, and maybe they can develop that. But like just in terms of having a, a receiving presence over the middle, I think he's huge there. And then you could probably convince me either way on Johnston and Addison. I think just in terms of, um opportunity like addison i think has a much clearer um um shot to to getting some targets whereas like johnson is having to battle mike williams and keenan allen which is a little bit tough and maybe even eckler if they bring him back so um but i do like johnson's fit in los angeles i thought they would take someone a little bit smaller in terms of speed but they just apparently love their skyscrapers and took another big guy who can run so i, I like it get as many big guys in that offense as you can get is Josh Palmer uh, still a thing, or do, do you think that Johnston just takes that role over? I, I 
I think Palmer is actually still like a very good role player for them. I think when they want to get condensed, um, especially like inside the 20 and they want to run the ball, they want to um, do some play action type stuff. I actually still think Palmer has a role um, because he's a lot better blocker uh, and just a better like kind of in line over the middle, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the Cooper Cup, Robert Woods type of stuff that we all that we always see. I think he's better for that stuff, whereas like Johnson is more like either get him the ball immediately or just let him run down the field for 50 yards. Like is he's, it, they're just very different roles. So I still think Palmer in this offense does have a role. It's just going to be a little bit more niche and he's not going to be on the field as often. All right, let's move on, I guess, to, uh, we got Rashi Rice for uh, the, the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, do we feel like he can crack into the starting lineup there? I mean, I feel like, you know, we're always waiting every year for, for one of these guys to, to crack in there and actually do something. Do you think he can, uh, he can do it? I'm a huge fan of Rasheed Rice. Um, I think he was my wide receiver six, um, but he's another guy where he just kind of fits the mold of receiver I like. Um, he's like a, he's a very rocked up player. Like he's very thick in his build, um, very strong. He's a bully both as a blocker and in terms of playing the ball in the air. Uh, even when he has the ball, he's one of those like bully ball style Anquan Bolden, just going to run through your face as much as he can style of player. So I just love his attitude. And I think he brings a lot in terms of, um, physicality. And I think that's actually really important for how Kansas City has structured their offense. And I think they've been needing a little bit more of that from their receiver core, because I think they had a lot of guys lately um, who haven't really brung that. And now that they don't have Juju Smith-Schuster in the lineup, I think they really, really needed a guy like that. So I actually do think he has a chance, maybe not like a starter every week and not getting a ton of snaps every single week. But I think with the way that Andy Reid just loves to change up his personnel, depending on the matchup and stuff. I do think he's going to get a lot of opportunities, um, especially because like there really is no clear number one in that offense. Like I think they're always going to have to do a lot of shuffling to try to get into the right stuff. So I think he brings enough that he's going to get a lot of opportunities. And I, I'm also not the biggest Canarius Tony fan. So I think it would not be that surprising if he eclipses him. Kind of rough for fantasy though. Right, Brandon. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you like, what do you do with all of that? You got Sky Moore, you got Tony, you got Rice. I mean, are you drafting any of them? Are you avoiding? It's been a while since the Chiefs and Andy Reid have really, really used their rookie receivers, and so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about Sky Moore feeling like a little. I, I, I'm not talking breaking into wide receiver one territory, but I think Sky Moore will go from being unusable in fantasy to being usable in fantasy. Uh, I think we're going to see Marcus Valdez Scantling, but you know, one thing we know about Patrick Mahomes is that he spreads the ball around, and one thing we know about the best receiver in Kansas City is that his name is Travis Kelsey. So yeah, uh, Rasheed Rice, I'm excited to watch him. I'm drafting him in dynasty. I'm probably not counting on him as an every week uh even wide receiver three in fantasy uh, yeah i think that makes sense um all right let's move on to uh a fellow afc west team just uh, a state away we got marvin mims in denver i know jerry judy today got a little contract extension so i mean <laughs> what do we think about marvin mims what do we think his role is going to be uh derek in denver this year I would also like to know the answer to that question because <laughs> their, their receiving room is very, uh, it's crowded. They're, they're getting Tim yeah. Patrick back from injury. Um, like they still have KJ Hamler there, even though he's not, I think, been what people wanted. Um, so it's kind of weird to find a role for him. I think ideally his role is kind of like what Marquise Goodwin was last year for the Seahawks, where he is, he's your number three. He plays out of the slot primarily, and his job is mostly to stretch the field. Um, and I think, if things work out, that's obviously pretty good for, for Russell Wilson, because like when we've seen him at his best, 
it's pushing the ball down the field as often as he can, playing shot plays and all that stuff. And I think Mims, you know, if he kind of comes out of the gate a little hot and looks it looks ready to play, I think that could actually be a good fit if Russ rebounds a little bit, which I think is possible with Sean Payton. So I think there's potential for a role for him there. It's just kind of like some of these other teams. It's like the, the room is just so crowded. And especially if Tim Patrick comes back, help, back healthy, like he's a good player. He's a very different player, but he's a good player and he's a really good ball winner. So to me, it's just like, it, it's a weird, weird spot to like feel good about how much snaps he's going to get. Yeah, I hear you. I, it's tough. I mean, I actually live here in Denver and it's just, there's it, like you said, it's a very, very crowded room coming off of a really bad offense. So it's tough to kind of see what uh, what's going to happen there. Um, let's move on. Let's do a little more wide receiver action. Um, we've got the underthigh, undersized Nathaniel Tank Dell. He's a third rounder in Houston. Do you think he can be more than a return specialist, or do you think that's his destiny? I think immediately I don't feel very confident about him being um, like a useful receiver uh, just because I think he's he's one of those players where I think he could be a useful number number three in an offense that is already very good, like a cherry on top type of player, because I think he's really good at yards after the catch. He's very twitchy. He's very fast. I just don't think he has the size to be one of your primary like receiving threats. I just like he's never going to be able to play outside, in my opinion. It's going to be hard for him to make contested catches, play over the middle, all that sort of stuff. He's going to have to be a little bit of a manufactured piece, almost like a better version of what they had in Kiki Kuti like four, three, four years ago or something like that. Um, but I do think he's going to be an incredible returner. Like The movement skills are amazing. It's just when you're, I think he was like 5'8", 165. That to me is just, I'm I'm a very like sizeist kind of <laughs> football evaluator. And that for me, it's just, it's kind of tough. I mean, that's small. Yeah, that's <laughs> like it's smaller very, than very me. Small. So I mean, that's that's. <laughs> He's definitely going to be in my return specialist article in, in July, though. It, he absolutely yeah. will be there. As Houston's been trying to uh, get somebody other other than Desmond King to return punts, so I think it'll be him. All right, we've got a couple more third rounders. We've got Jalen Hyatt who went to the Giants, and we've got Cedric Tillman who went to the Browns. They went back to back. They're explosive. What do we expect from these two as rookies? The Hyatt thing is weird because as a like during the draft cycle, I was a lot lower on Jalen Hyatt than a lot of people. A lot of people had him in the first round, top 50, all that stuff. I thought he was like a third round player just because um, I mean, the speed is incredible, but I just thought he wasn't that clean of a route runner. Um, didn't know what he's going to give you after the catch, even though he's very fast. He just didn't seem like he had natural vision. But now then he actually falls to the third round. And it's like, well, this is actually where I thought he should be taken. So this is actually I kind of like this. Um, and I do think the Giants kind of needed speed because I think their biggest problem last year was they just really, really struggled to take the top off the teams. Like we saw at certain points, Isaiah Hodgins was kind of able to do it. Sometimes Darius Slayton is kind of able to do it, but they're not very consistent players. Uh, I think at least in that role, Jalen Hyatt can be a very, very consistent downfield threat. It's really just a matter of how much Daniel Jones is going to be able to unlock that part of his game. He's very willing to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, how accurate can he be and how clean can they keep him? Um, who was the other one? Oh, Cedric Tillman. Big fan. I think he, he was my wide receiver five. Um, he's another guy where like, to me, why I loved him in this class is this was kind of a weird wide receiver class where all of the top receivers were like kind of niche players in a way. Like Quinton John, uh, Johnson was like kind of just a deep threat who is really big and is going to give you yards after catch, but he's not like a true X receiver. Jordan Addison is too small to be a true X receiver. Um, same thing with Zay Flowers, like JSN is purely slot. It was all these weird guys. Cedric Tillman was like a true throwback 1990s X receiver where he's just a big explosive ball winner on the boundary. And I love that style of player. And I think 
Um, if he hadn't gotten banged up and, and, you know, not been fully healthy in 2022, I think he would have even maybe gone in like the back of the end of the first round. I, I like, I think he has that type of talent. So I'm really, really excited about him in, in Cleveland. His 21 tape is great. It's crazy, man. Like he's just, he's faster than everybody. He's bigger than everybody. He's explosive. He's, he's like a fairly clean route runner too. He's, he's not like insane, but he's for a guy that size, it, it's, it looks pretty good. And then you add that on top of being a ball winner. It's like, it's hard not to love him. Oh, we got a question here from Mr. Scampers. Tank Dell or, or uh, Tutu Atwell, rest of season? Brandon, oh. you have thoughts? <laughs> I, I think the Tutu Atwell ship has sailed. I think yeah. I, I'm done. And the, yeah. and the size, the size. He's just so small. Like, I'd rather yeah. go with Dell. Even yeah. though even though Dell is also small, I'd rather go Dell. They're both mm-hmm. small. All right, we got one more, uh, one more wide receiver to talk about, um, and that is Josh Downs, who went to the Colts. Uh, they also dropped, or they also signed Isaiah McKenzie. So I assume those guys will be fighting for the slot. Do you think da- Downs earns that slot job out of the gate, or is he going to have to fight for it in camp? I would imagine he earns the job. I mean, at least I would hope so. Um, Downs, I think, outside of JSN, was like the best true slot receiver, where like that, I think, is the only position he's going to play. Um, but he's really good at it. I think he's like an above average athlete. He is fairly good with the ball in his hands. He's not incredible. I don't think he really has home run speed, but he's going to be a guy who kind of squeezes out four or five yards here and there um, over the middle and stuff like that. And then he's really, really good about finding the ball and playing the ball in the air for someone who is not very big. I think he weighed in at like 172 or something like that. Um, But he does a really good job of playing in traffic. And if you're going to live in the slot in the NFL, you really, really need that. So it's good that he has that. Um, And I do think he has those qualities over a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. I think Isaiah McKenzie is faster in the open field but he to me is a little bit more of like a gadget player um which i think is part of why he struggled to really latch on in buffalo because he wasn't quite like the slot presence that cole beasley was whereas i think i think downs can actually be that style of player um and be a more like high volume type of guy and the colts really need a slot receiver that i really like their outside guys in Pittman and and pierce but they need someone who can play over the middle and i think i think downs can do that and mckenzie also will likely be featured in my return specialist article i think that's, yeah, that's his good one <laughs> yeah yeah that's too bad. I like McKenzie. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a UGA homer. So any guy out there, I, I root for him to do well. Um, and he had some good games last year, uh, but then he got hurt. And yeah. Um, is there anyone else that we did not mention wide receiver wise that you think uh, we should? Tyler Scott. He went later than I thought he was going to, but he is a guy who I, I think if everything really breaks right for him uh, and like he hits the absolute peak of what his spectrum as a prospect can be, I think he can be pretty similar to what Tyler Lockett is in uh, in Seattle. So I, it, I don't know if he's actually going to get there, but like that's the style of player I see. I think he could be like a really good number three for a team and there's like a 10 to 15 percent chance he becomes a really solid number two. So I was surprised he went as late as he did. I was surprised he went after his teammate, Trey Tucker. Um, who to me is a little bit more of like a gadget guy, whereas I think Scott, Tyler Scott is like a very legitimate, you know, slot Z hybrid type of receiver. So that's the guy I, I would be excited about. Uh, it's This is a, a big thing. Every time we ask somebody to bring up a receiver we didn't bring up, they always say Tyler Scott. So apparently awesome. we all need to pay attention to Tyler Scott. This is great. He's a good player. We talk uh, about him every week somehow. He, he makes his way into the conversation. I love it. Zachary Murdoch uh, wants to know about Keyshawn Butte from uh, LSU. What do you think of uh, his landing spot and what his prospects are, Derek? He's just purely as a talent. He had like back end of the first round, top 50 type of talent. He just, it was very clearly in the, early in this season that he just was checked out for whatever reason. I don't know if it was like he didn't like Brian Kelly coming over 
uh, the new offensive set. Like, I don't know what it is, but he just very clearly seemed checked out. And it wasn't just a drops issue. Like, that was pretty verifiable in the numbers. Um, but he just didn't seem like he was getting in and out of his routes the same way he had in 2021, all that sort of stuff. But um, I think he could be a, a decent player. Like, if he can kind of get things back on track, I think he's very clearly talented. To me, he actually kind of reminds me of a guy who's flamed out a little bit now, but like Keelan Cole, um, who had played for the Jaguars for a little bit, where he's like one of those kind of thicker slot players where he's really good at like playing in traffic, kind of bullying people when he has the ball, that sort of stuff. So I think, like I said, if he really just like turns himself around and gets back on track, the talent is all there. And we've seen him have really good tape before. Like it's not projection. We saw him play really good football in 2021. It's just a matter of getting that guy out of him again. And I guess if there's anyone that could do it, it, it could be Bill, but we'll see. And certainly, uh, certainly New England has an opening there for a, a good receiver yes. to emerge. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Scampers wants to know if there's any undrafted free agents you're eyeing. That's a, a deep question, Derek. Anyone come to mind? If it's okay, if not, that's a, that's I just, a deep question. Yeah, Scampers. I don't even remember who actually went, who actually got drafted and who didn't get drafted <laughs> is really the problem. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'm going to push uh, Scampers. Uh, go follow Shane Hallam, who was on the show last week. He uh, does a phenomenal job keeping track of the undrafted free agents. He's probably got a tweet about it. Uh, let's move on to running backs, Derek. Uh, what can we realistically expect from Bajan Robinson in Atlanta as a rookie? He's going as the RB3 the ninth overall pick. Uh, so if you want him in fantasy, you have to pay for him. Can he return the type of numbers as a rookie that fantasy managers are going to want him to? Efficiency wise. Uh, well, that's the thing. I think the the fantasy people, he might not. And the reason I say that is I still think Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier is very, very good. And I think, um, he still fits a lot of what Arthur Smith wants to do. And I think they're going to actually try to not necessarily split the backfield, but really try to make sure a good portion of Bijan Robinson's touches are in the passing game and really not just like fully murder him as a runner, kind of like they did with Derrick Henry. Cause like with Derrick Henry, you couldn't split up his touches because he couldn't, he couldn't catch. Like he just couldn't play out of the backfield. So you had to just give him 30 carries a game if you wanted to get him 30 touches with Bijan it can be you know you can split it up a little bit and then I think that's where Tyler Algeo's carries are going to come in but in terms of efficiency and like how it's going to look on the field I, I think it's, he's going to be incredible like I, I thought Bijan was the best offensive player in the draft I think his film was unbelievable like a, a player his size to have the burst the acceleration the balance that he does is just it's unbelievable to me and then as a third down player he's incredible like as a receiver not only is he good out of the backfield and can give you like the run after catch stuff, we've seen him run like catch wheel routes down the sideline against Alabama. Like, you know, he can actually be a vertical player. He can line up in the slot. He can line up as a wide receiver. Um, not quite the Christian McCaffrey level, but like not that far off um, if you're asking me. So I think he's going to be an unbelievable player. It's really just a matter of like how many carries do they still give to Tyler, Tyler Algier? I like that. Nice, nice, refreshing uh, perspective there. Uh, Saquon Barkley was the comp we got. How does he compare to the way you viewed Saquon Barkley as a prospect coming out? I think they're like the same tier. I just think they're very, very different players. And I prefer the style of player that Bijan Robinson. And, and the reason I say ah. that is Bijan is a very, he's very consistent and he's like a floor raising type of player where like his vision is immaculate. Like he's, he's never going to run himself into bad 
uh, carries. He's going to like, you know, if he gets hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage, he's going to find a way to make it a one yard gain. Like just very good at keeping ahead of the sticks and like ahead of the chains and all that stuff. And then he still has enough explosiveness. And then he's also just really good on third down. You never have to take him on the field because not only is, is he a good pass catcher, like I just said, he's also a phenomenal pass blocker and he's really going to go do it. And you never have to be scared that he's going to, you know, get your quarterback killed. And I, you know, for me, that stuff really matters. That's why um, I stumped for Ezekiel Elliott for a long time, even though I, he's clearly lost it now. Um, but for a long time, I still really liked him because he had that. Le'Veon Bell was the same way, really had all that stuff. So I'm just a big fan of that style of back, whereas to me, Barkley is a little bit more, you're going to get some home runs and you're going to get some strikeouts. <laughs> that makes sense. Makes sense. I, I love this. So Jen, with a little reality check here, um, based you know, on I'm what Derek said, we love the player. Are you paying for Bijan Robinson then, considering that he's going to cost you the 1.09 in, uh, well, in best ball drafts? So, you know, we've talked about that last week, I think, and the week before, and I was not buying him before. Um, I'm still not buying him. I, I cannot pay, like, a first-round ninth-spot draft capital for a guy that hasn't played in a snap in the NFL. It's too difficult for me. Um, I do like the landing spot. I think it's great, and I think that um, – you know, it justifies it a smidge. So I understand why other people would do that. Um, I would just rather have somebody else there. It's just not my, not my brand of fantasy, but I, I understand it. And I, and I, you know, I would be a lot more comfortable if he was a second rounder, you know, like 15, 15, you know, I just, I cannot pay first round draft capital for a rookie of any kind. It's just, it's too scary for me. Makes sense. That, uh, that Atlanta offense is going to be just interesting to see what they do this year with all those weapons. I just, it, it's, you know, yes. I mean, there's a lot of weapons beside the one that you kind of need the most. Hey, hey no Desmond Ritter <laughs> slander in front of me. Look, I have too, I have too many stocks, too much stock in him in my dynasty leagues. I need this to work out, Jen. Well, I, you know, listen, I mean, he's not the worst, you know, quarterback on an NFL roster right now. I'll he may be that. the worst. He may be the worst starter on an NFL roster right now, but he's not the worst. S- Sam Howell might be starting games. So. <laughs> no, no way. I think Jacoby Brissett is going to be starting by the end. You think Brissett starts? Look, I do. But if Sam Howell does start, then then he's he gives him a run for the money as the as in the bottom. Look, Howell and Ritter. Pro Bowl NFC quarterbacks this year. That's that's okay. I'm obvi- obviously I'm kidding, but uh, but fun stuff to see. Let's uh, Derek help me figure out the impact on the Seattle backfield. Um, I love Ken Walker, and they they brought in another second rounder. They brought in uh, Zach Charbonnet. Why did they do that? And what's that Seattle backfield going to look like? I think they're going to split it up a lot, um, and the reason is. Ken Walker is kind of like what I just talked about with Barkley, where he's, he's you're going to get home runs. Like when he finds a way to get to the outside, outside on the perimeter, breaks one tackle, he has that athletic ability to just all of a sudden he's 60 yards down the field and nobody is close to him that he has that kind of ability. On the other hand, he's also kind of blind sometimes and he runs himself into a lot of contact. He shouldn't be running himself into uh, runs himself into a lot of uh, his own linemen, like just doesn't, Sometimes if you block him four yards, he's going to get one somehow like that type of thing. And I think actually for a a coach like Pete Carroll specifically, I think he can't have that as his primary running back. And I think he realized that. And I think that's why he went for a guy like Charbonnet, who to me is um, he's a lot more stable. He he actually almost is like Algier or like a James Conner, where he's um, bigger, thicker running back, does really well between the tackles. His vision is good. not going to be a home run hitter really, but if you block him four, he's going to find a way to get five or six because he's going to find the right hole and he's going to 
um, fall down uh, for an extra yard or two, which which sounds stupid, but you do that, you know, 70, 70 times over a season, that, that really adds up. So I think that's the reason they did it. Um, and then kind of the cherry on top is actually Charbonnet is pretty good out of the backfield. Um, not like in a, you know, he's not going to run wheel routes and all that stuff, but if you throw him checkdowns, he has really good hands. And I think he, he, he can give you enough in that sense. So I think they're really going to try to split up the touches in this backfield. It's going to be interesting to see how far Ken Walker drops in fantasy drafts. Cause he's been going, uh, you know, as the RB three RB six kind of in that area in a lot of early drafts. And now, uh, we'll, we'll let all the dust settle and see where that ADP lands later, but that's going to be interesting. Uh, Jen, how much does that affect your approach to Ken Walker. Well, I was going to say first, don't sleep on my boy, Kenny McIntosh, who, all, or, who also, <laughs> True, I forgot they drafted him. Yeah. Who also went to the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, don't, you know, don't forget about, they always hoard running backs there. I mean, I'm yeah. listen, I'm glad he got drafted. So, um, you know, I doubt he'll, he'll crack anything, but he'll be there. Um, so Ken Walker, by the way, right now is, you know, granted it's been two days of ADP, but uh, right now he is the running back 11. Oh, okay. So he dropped. So he has dropped already in the last two days uh, with the addition of Charbonnet. It's tough because I'm one of those people that um, I'm always going to draft Seattle running backs because we know that Pete Carroll is always going to run them. That's what Pete wants to do. (laughs) One of them's going to be good. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I will always draft them both. So I will, I will be drafting both and I'll probably, I'll sprinkle in some Kenny McIntosh. I actually, I've already drafted him even before I knew his spot. (laughs) Uh, You know, he's my 19, 20th round just to have him on in the mix. Um, You know, because listen, I I had no problem drafting DJ Dallas and Travis Homer for years, just thinking, okay, maybe one of them will pop um, because someone will get hurt, you know, and then Pete Carroll will keep trotting him out there. So um, I think they both, you know, like Derek said, they're both going to have a role, and I think they'll both be fantasy relevant for sure. I will say, uh, Chris Carson came to power around oh, the time you that know Rashad I loved Penny was a first Chris round pick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that's how it goes. Let's go on uh, to a little later in the draft. Kendra Miller, Taiji Spears, um, New Orleans and Tennessee, respectively. Can they make an impact in their first year? Obviously, there's people ahead of them, but people really like the talent there. Um, what do you think year one? Are we going to see them much, Derek? Spears, I would say for sure, um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think just in terms of skill set, he brings so much that Derrick Henry just doesn't have. Um, like he, he's a really good pass catcher. I think he's a lot quicker. Like he's a little bit better, like on the boundary and that sort of stuff. He's better in space. So I think he just really brings like a good change of pace in that sort of sense. And I think it'll be a little bit easier for that offense to play like out of gun with a guy like him, whereas like there were times the past couple of years where they, they would get into shotgun and put a fullback at running back because they were like, well, we don't trust any of our running backs to catch. Like, just get the best blocker out there. They would do that type of stuff. I don't think that's going to be a problem with Ty J Spears. I think he can actually go give you some stuff in the passing game. But I also think it's that they realize that Derrick Henry can't take the amount of carries that he's taken any longer. Like, like the fact that he's done it for this long is incredible. I don't think he can be a almost 400 uh, carry type of guy again and I think they're actually going to really have to split up their touches so I think he actually could get a fair amount of carries um, in that offense um, I guess it's really just going to depend on how much they can stay in their game script which with that roster might be might, might be an issue but in terms of splitting True. up the yeah in terms of splitting up the reps I think it'll actually be um, you know sort of fair Miller is a tough one for me I think in terms of opportunity it's not that bad um because I think they're an offense that is always going to use, you know, multiple running backs as much as they can. Um, and I think he actually does have like home run type of speed, home run type of ability. I just was not all that high on him as like a runner. But it, it again kind of goes back to what I said with Bijan, where like 
Um, he's just my style of runner. Like the vision is incredible, all that stuff. Kendra Miller doesn't have any of that. Like he, he can like have issues finding the right lane. Um, I don't love his balance, all that sort of stuff. So I think the opportunity is kind of there and he has the home run speed. I'm just not, I think as sold on the players as some other people, or even as the saints evidently. Makes sense. And they did bring in Jamal Williams. So they do have, mm, uh, sure. you know, a couple good backs there. Uh, you brought up Devon J- a chain at the top of the hour. I just wanted to say, I won't get into a chain again. Uh, I I'm excited that you're excited about him as a Miami Dolphins fan. So I'm hoping that he just crushes here. I do want to talk about tank Bigsby, however, and how he's going to fit into that Jacksonville backfield. Another player who uh, is entering a backfield that has an established player, but what kind of role could you see him developing alongside Travis Etienne? I would not, if you're a Travis Etienne owner, I would not be very worried. Um, and that's not to say Bigsby is bad. I just think Bigsby, I think they're bringing him in to really just be like an innings eater, like a relief okay. pitcher type of deal. I think that's all it is because I think Bigsby actually is a really good athlete and he's really well built. Um, he has really good balance. Like he's explosive for a guy his size. He has fairly good speed, even if he's not a leader or anything. Um, he, to me, is kind of another guy where he just, He's boomer bust. Like he's going to do something incredible. You know, if he gets hit in the backfield or he's going to try to make something happen in space, sometimes he's also going to run into his own lineman and you're going to be really pissed off as a coaching staff. <laughs> um, but if that's your, if that's your number two back, who's only taking, you know, eight, nine carries a game or something like that. If you can get three of those really good plays, that's, that's good enough. Like, I think that's, that's good enough. So um, I actually do like the landing spot there. And I like him with, uh, you know, in the Peterson offense and stuff. It's just, I wouldn't be too worried about him taking over the starting role or anything like that. Nice. Nice. Uh, so Travis ETN managers uh, settle down. Everything is going to yeah. be okay. <laughs> any running backs, uh, any sleeper running backs we didn't talk about that we should. I kind of like Roshan Johnson. Um, oh. I think he ended up in Chicago. Um Obviously overshadowed by, you know, the number eight pick in the draft, which is is really tough. Um, but I think if he started for, I think if he played it like literally any other big 12 program, uh, he, he would have been the starter. And I think he would have been really good. Just the tank. Like he's just a big dude. Um, and I think he does really, really well in terms of vision. And he's actually a pretty good pass catcher for a big guy. Usually you don't get that from guys that are si- that size. You just get like plotters. But and he's actually a guy who can catch out of the backfield. So I- I'd be pretty excited about him uh awesome all right well let's let's uh dip into tight ends we've uh we're doing pretty well here on time but we're getting close so let's um let's break into tight ends there was a lot of actually good tight ends this year which is you know a rarity um but let's start with the first rounder um Dalton Kincaid um I actually wrote an entire uh like 1200 word article about him this morning so um I'm raring to go about that but I'm gonna ask you first yeah I'm gonna ask you first Derek how do you feel uh, that he fits in with the Bills offense just from a regular football perspective? I think he kind of changes the offense in, in a way. Um, because I think what we saw really the past, like basically since Josh Allen has been good, is that they wanted to be as in 10 personnel and in 11 personnel as much as possible, spread the field, all that sort of stuff. But we've seen the last two years, they've done some experimenting with like, what if we put a fullback on the field? What if we put two tight ends on the field? But they just didn't have that second tight end. They didn't have a fullback that could really give them everything they wanted. So I think actually bringing in Kincaid, who can actually give them like a really, really good second tight end, I think that actually can kind of change the way that their offense is going to function overall. I think they might start running the ball a little bit more. I think we're going to see more tight formations. I think they're actually going to be a little bit more uh, creative and, and like more adaptable inside the red zone. Cause I think they had some problems previously in the red zone because 
they just didn't have many dudes who were big and it was basically just like throw a 50 50 ball to dawson knox or josh allen go run somebody over like that was kind of their red zone offense i think kincaid actually kind of helps them fix that so um i think he definitely is going to cut into dawson knox's production a little bit but i think in terms of like actual football i think it really changes their offense for the better that's interesting i mean i was looking at from a fantasy perspective I'm kind of looking at, you know, Kincaid ran a lot of his of his routes from the slot last year um, at Utah. So, you know, they the Bills lost McKenzie and they don't have Beasley. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe he'll kind of slide in there and, and do stuff there. So um, I feel like, you know, I think he will cut in a little bit to Knox. But at the same time, I don't know. You know, Knox has been pretty inconsistent. It's not like he's been this, you know, fantasy tight end one that we've all coveted for years. So I feel like. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where we always say that, you know, rookie tight ends rarely hit. And I think Kincaid has has the potential to do so. I, I think he's – I mean, I'd consider him a fantasy tight end too going into the draft. But I think he definitely has the potential to sneak into that – into the top 12 uh, tight ends. If, you know, if he can adapt well to the NFL, learns everything right away, and gets going. I think that, uh, you know, in that offense, I mean, uh, yeah, I think he's got a high ceiling. Brandon, any thoughts on Kincaid or you're good? I'm kind of with Derek here. Like, I think he's a really good addition to the offense. And, but I think that fantasy managers who get super excited about him are going to be disappointed because I think Josh Allen spreads the ball around. And I think that we're going to get Stefan Diggs and we're going to get some boom weeks from Kincaid and a lot of bust weeks from Kincaid. And I think we're going to get Dawson Knox with uh, vulture touchdowns. And I think we're yep. going to get a lot of that stuff. So I'm kind of with Derek on this one, but I get your point, Jen. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, let's move on. So in the second round, um, well, we already talked about Sam Laporta, Michael Meyer. Um, we also had Luke Schoonmacher um, went to Dallas. Brenton Strange went to Jacksonville in the second round. Um, do we see either of them ha- having a big Im- you know, impact as a rookie? Unfortunately, no. Um, I actually do like both of them. Uh, I, I like Luke uh, Schoonmacher. He actually is kind of like uh, another guy who I think we're going to talk about in a second. I think he's kind of like the discount Luke Musgrave in this class where he's just a big dude who runs (laughs) exceptionally well, blocks pretty well. He's going to block his heart out. Um, Just not all the way there as a route runner yet. Sometimes doesn't really win the ball the way that, you know, a typical tight end would. But just in terms of like a field stretcher, I think he really, really brings it. Um, So I do think he's a little bit more athletic than some of the tight ends the Cowboys have now. But they kind of have this weirdly crowded tight end room of like three or four guys who like they've given plenty of snaps to before and I think it would be hard for a mid-round rookie tight end to crack that the other one Brenton Strange I don't really think they brought him in to like catch that many passes I I think they really brought him in to be like an uh like an f like wing type of blocker um because Peterson really loves to have that type of guy in his system and I think Brenton Strange really brings that where he's like explosive moves really well in the short area he's gonna block his ass off so I think I think in terms of like the actual fit in the offense, it's great. I just don't think they're going to give him that many targets. But yeah, I think I think I think you're right there with both those. Um, like you mentioned, Luke Musgrave. We're moving on to Green Bay. They actually drafted two tight ends. Uh, they have they they drafted him and they also uh, drafted Tucker Craft in the third round. I mean, we know Green Bay needed a tight end, right? I mean, they lost Robert Tunyon. Mercedes Lewis is now I think unsigned somewhere. Um, how do you feel? I mean, do you have a favorite one or the other as far as, I guess, real football? And then we can talk fantasy after. I had graded them very, very closely, but I did have a slight edge towards Kraft because I think he was just, to me, a little bit more of a, 
a complete player. Like to me, Musgrave is the home run swing. He, he, I think if everything turns out right for Musgrave, he can be like Darren Waller, where he's just an unbelievable field stretcher, super explosive. He can play out of the slot. Um, he's almost like a wide receiver. Um, just in terms of the real football, like I think he can block, but he's going to need to get better at it and, and show a little bit more. Um, so I want to see from that, but Tucker craft is kind of the opposite where I think he's like above average to good ish at like everything, but doesn't necessarily have an elite trade. If anything, I think his, his run after the catch type of stuff is, is pretty good um, because he's a really good athlete who is uh, very well built. He's has really good balance. So I think if he could like clean up his route running a little bit, I think he could be pretty effective, but I think he's going to be the better blocker out of the gate. So it's kind of just a matter of like, what is green Bay trying to do that week? Really? <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. Brandon, do you feel for fantasy? I mean, are you drafting either one of these guys? Uh, not in redraft. Uh, in dynasty, I'm drafting both of them. So uh, just curious, curious about both of them. So, uh, but yeah, and and also Luke Busgrave, Oregon State University. Um, so I, I love the kid, and I'm gonna be rooting for him tremendously. I, I grew up near Oregon State University, so. Well, all right. Well, speaking of, might as well stay Homer um, for the <laughs> for this last guy. We got Darnell Washington. Uh, I'm super bummed that he landed in Pittsburgh. I'm super bummed that he fell. I mean, I, I guess that was some sort of back issue that I didn't, I had not heard anything about. And then all of a sudden he just kind of started falling, um, landed in Pittsburgh, which, you know, I mean, they have Pat Fryermuth, who's pretty locked in as their guy. So, uh, do you feel like Darnell Washington is just buried there? Is he just going to hang out for a bit? I was also sad that he fell, um, because I, he was my tight end too. I liked him a lot. Uh, because you just don't find guys that big that move like that very often. It's just, it's really, really hard. Uh, God only made a few of those. Um, so I really liked him. Um, I, I, like you said, I think he really only fell for the injury stuff. In terms of his, his snap share, I actually kind of think they could play with two tight ends a lot because I think the way they actually want to build the ecosystem of this offense is to get into 12 personnel, run the hell out of Najee Harris, and be like a bully ball type of team. And then just whatever extra flair and explosiveness you get from Kenny Pickett is kind of like an added bonus, almost like what the Seahawks had done uh, in the early aughts of the Russell Wilson days. Like, obviously he's not that kind of talent Pickett, but I think that style of offense they could do Washington. I think out of the gate, he's probably not going to be nearly the receiver that Firemuth is because I think Firemuth is just a better route runner right now. He's an incredible ball winner. He's a really good athlete, but I still think, well, they're going to put Washington on the field a lot because he's just a way better blocker than Firemuth is right now. Like, for as good a receiver as Frymuth is, he cannot block. And so I think that's why they went after a guy like Washington, who, if you go back and watch that Oregon game, every other clip is him just killing some poor Oregon defender. And I don't think it'll look too, too different in the NFL. So I, I do like the fit in terms of real football. It's just, I don't really know how I would, I would gauge it in terms of how many targets he's going to get and stuff like that. That's that's very encouraging. I like that. Darnell Washington has a future in, in, uh, in the league in that regard. I like it. I do too, of course. Um, I need to circle back real quick before we move on because uh, our friend Zach Murdoch made a little a little joke, but he's talking about LaVisca Chanel real quick um, because it's kind of an, an inside joke with us because it's a long story. But anyway, to answer your question, Zach, um, I, I am not concerned for LaVisca Chanel because I'm not concerned about LaVisca Chanel. He's not on my radar. Um, we're done. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed on uh, Mr. Chenault. Uh, regardless of who they drafted, regardless of who they bring in, we're done. He's not a thing. Okay, move on. We're moving on, I think, to quarterbacks, right? We got to wrap this up soon. 
Yeah, we do. We got to kind of zip through these. We've uh, we've been holding you too long, Derek. I appreciate you. Uh, quickly, we did have a Discord question I wanted to talk about with Space Ghost Force. Any favorite round three or round four running backs to target in rookie drafts? Uh, I think we answered that. Roshan Johnson and Devonna Chain, especially, uh, definitely uh, guys to target in that in that territory. Uh, so quarterbacks, we talked about Bryce Young and and, uh, and of CJ Stroud. Uh, Derek, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Um, Obviously, huge range of outcomes for this guy. How soon do you think we could see him under center in Indianapolis? Week one. I think he's starting out. Yeah. Um, because really, I think he's not the project that people think that he is. I think he's definitely incomplete. But I think people have gotten into their heads. I think especially coming off of Malik Willis last year, um, who was obviously like very much a project. I think people have kind of equated them in their minds. And to me, that's just not true. Um, because when, when I watch Richardson, obviously he has some ball placement issues. There's four or five throws a game where it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> uh, we know you can be better than this. <laughs> um, but in terms of like the way that he's trying to play quarterback, it to me feels very serious and like very mature. Like his pocket movement is unbelievable. I think he does a really good job of like knowing when he's hot and to just get the ball out, check it down, throw it away, avoid negative plays. Like his, I don't remember the number, but his pressure to sack ratio is like, unbelievably low in college like he just did not get sacked he found ways to get out of it and obviously his athleticism helps there but he did a really good job of understanding how to keep himself clean um and i think even as a processor like i think he's going to need to speed it up a, a tick but i think he showed that he was able to get like one to two to three generally stay on rhythm um and be confident about what he was seeing and that sort of stuff but i think even the like needing to speed up a tick he was 20 years old as a first year starter. Like, yeah, he doesn't, isn't all the way there yet. Um, but I think he can get there because just some of the other stuff I said, just in terms of his maturity of pocket management, all that stuff. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very, very excited for him. That's exciting. I, I like it. I, I seems like a good kid. Seems like the guy, oh, yeah. seems like a guy who works hard. Like I'm, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, any redraft value for Will Levis? Like, do we expect anything from him in year one or is he strictly a long-term project? You might be able to pick him up when Tannehill gets hurt. <laughs> um, but that's really, I think, the only thing that, that's going to happen here. Because I think they're really going to use this year to just let Tannehill eat some punches, you know, for basically what is like his probably last year there. And then I think they're going to transition to Levis next year. So um, I think Levis could end up being actually very, very similar to Ryan Tannehill. Like when things work out, I just don't think we're going to see it this year. Maybe when the season fully falls apart. But yeah. I, I I'm not gonna say they look alike, but I'm I'm not gonna say they don't not. I'm not look gonna alike. say they don't, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, uh, Hendon Hooker, obviously, probably not starting uh, at all this year unless something happens to Jared Goff and his health checks out. But you know, next year is the time when Detroit really needs to take a make a decision on Jared Goff contract wise. They could save a ton of money off the cap by cutting him next year, free agent the year after. Uh, Hendon Hooker, when you're looking to 2024. Are, is he interesting over any of those four quarterbacks that went ahead of him? Not to me. Um, I, I just, I was not very big on Hendon Hooker and I, I don't want to do my whole spiel and like, you know, bash on him again. But um, he, to me, just, he just, he, to me, just felt more like a quarterback that we've seen go in the fourth, fifth round before where he's kind of toolsy, but not complete coming from an offense that is a little bit Mickey Mouse. <laughs> um, and I think he just, you know, he, he got a little bit lucky and there's been some overcorrection overcorrection in terms of that style of prospect. So um, I'm not all that excited for, for him in that sense. I think the other guys were more legitimate first round type of type of talents. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. And obviously had two third round receivers, uh, including Cedric Tillman, which we right. like. So uh, definitely helped him out. Uh, I won't take up any more of your time today, Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, listeners should definitely read Derek's stuff over at New York Times Sports Bleacher Report. Follow Derek on Twitter at QB Class. That's class with a K. Derek, any final thoughts or plugs before you go? No, I think that's it. I think I'm just, you know, uh, glad, glad the draft season is uh, <laughs> glad we can coast into the offseason. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. I and uh, honestly, listeners follow Derek on Twitter. Like I uh, we want everybody, all our guests to be followed on Twitter. Derek is legitimately one of my favorite tw- follows. He's in every one of my um, little lists and things like that that I make sure to follow because I like Derek's tweets so much. It's great analysis. Uh, Jen. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming on again. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Jen Higgins NFL, at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks for checking us out. Have a good day.